Friends, as a part of worship, we have the opportunity to give to God some of the gifts that God has provided to us. And it's our prayer that these would be multiplied uh, to serve not just the ministries here within our walls or within our congregation, uh, but outside, out in the real world to, to make a difference. One of those examples of the difference ministry makes uh, happened last Wednesday when our team uh, that provides a meal at Liberty Treehouse did their thing on Wednesday. Liberty Treehouse is an organization that's part of Liberty Hospital, and they provide housing and just a warm, caring environment for folks who have loved ones in longer-term care. And so sometimes the love of Jesus looks like a bunch of bananas on a table, uh, and it's a dearly loved ministry, uh, not just by the folks who participate in it, but by the recipients, uh, just because of the care and love that, that a home-cooked meal shows. So we might not always see everything that happens throughout the week, but I'm here to tell you there's tons of stuff happening all the time. I'm grateful for Ellen Ledbetter's leadership of this ministry and uh, all the folks who participate faithfully. And this is just one example of stuff that happens all the time, ways our church is reaching out uh, because of the generosity you provide to fuel all these ministries. We have a variety of ways to give. You can give in the brass plates that are by either exit here in the sanctuary you can give online at carney.church slash giving. Or if you get out your phone and you text the word give to 816-354-1760, that'll send you a link to set up uh, an easy account. And then from then on, all you got to do is just text an amount to that number. It takes about three seconds. Doesn't get any easier than that. So let's pray over these offerings together. God, thank you for today and this opportunity uh, to be generous. We thank you for uh, the leadership in the, the service that our Liberty Treehouse group provides. And we ask that uh, meals like that um, would be just one example of your peace and abiding presence with folks uh, who are receiving care uh, at a hospital. God, we thank you for all the ways you've blessed us. And we ask that you would use these gifts to be a blessing to others, that you would multiply them so that more people could come to know you, grow in their faith, and go serve the world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
I treasure deep within. They comfort me and discipline that I may have no cause to sin. Your word brings righteousness. Thanks, Lori and Jeremy. Friends, if we haven't met, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be one of the pastors here. This last week, my family spent some time at Lake of the Ozarks, uh, just peak Missouri culture, right, uh, for all our goods and ills. I just love it, and it was reminiscent for me because that's one of the things my family did when I was little is uh, rent a boat, and so I got to fulfill my dad destiny. So this is me and my two kids on the bottom, and uh, that's me in the middle there with my dad and my sister when we were little. So it was kind of cool to have it come full circle. Man, all I need is some frozen Snickers and some Easy Cheese, and I'm good on a boat for like 10 hours. <laughs> it's just, it's great. Now, many of you know I'm a directionally challenged person, right? If someone says go west on 92, I'm like, is that by the Sonic or away from the Sonic? <laughs> and so this is multiple. When you're a directionally challenged person, being on a boat is hard. Driving a boat is hard. Right? Uh, the, the Lake of the Ozarks, I thought it looked like a millipede. It's been described to me as a dragon, right? This thing's a big blue watery road that I can just get lost on easy. And uh, the boat rental places are keen on you returning their boat on time. <laughs> so you may want to figure out where you're going, right? We could, we could have driven around for hours and hours, but if we didn't know where we're going, uh, that's a bad deal. Well, I think the same could be said about any organization and definitely a church. You got to know what you're aiming for. Know where you're trying to land. Vision is very important. Vision really matters. 
And so for these next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on the vision that the leadership of our church feels that God is calling us to. And that is to be a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. And I want to zoom in on this concept of community for a bit. The first thing our church is, is a community. Now, there's lots of ways to experience community, and people do that. Uh, it looks all, all kind of ways. For some folks, it's an affinity that draws people together. Uh, People find community at their gym or at the pickleball courts or their book club or their gamers guild or their sports team or uh, their quilting or knitting group, whatever. There's lots of ways that people find things in common and kind of gather around those. And it's usually an activity, right? So people can find community in their affinity. We also can find community in our geography. When uh, we look around our neighborhood and our block, it's the people that we're close to in proximity where we can experience community. But the church is a different type of community, not focused on an activity or focused on geography, but focused on a person. Our church is a community where we hope, we aim for, for Jesus to be at the foundation of this community, that Jesus is at the center. Now, our church is not flawless, and we don't always get it right. But man, when the church is working, as it should, I'm convinced there's nothing better. In June, the Carney Lions Club raffled off a bunch of fireworks. I, of course, participated, uh, and, and I was told, uh, because of my love of fireworks here, I was told <laughs> that a bunch of people from church had entered the raffle, but they put my name on their raffle ticket. <laughs> Isn't that about the sweetest thing you've ever heard? I felt very seen. I felt very loved. And guess what? We won! Yeah, there it is. Yeah. We, we stacked the deck. I just, I thought that was very, very sweet. I told my friends that, and they were like, you need to stay at that church forever. I, was like, I know. I know. Hopefully that's not bad news to some of y'all. But as, as one of the pastors here, man, I'm blessed to see the church at its best. A couple weeks ago, I went to visit somebody in the hospital after church. And on my way into the room, I knocked and I could hear people talking. Well, somebody else from the church had already beat me there and was praying with them. And then on my way out, two more folks were coming in. I was just one in the long buffet line of uh, folks at the hospital that day to care for our friend. Now, we're gonna t I didn't even try and look over there, Norma. I, was, I didn't even want to give away. I didn't ask permission now. Now, we're going to talk more next week about what it takes to make these type of connections because it isn't easy. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and I know that's not a universal experience at our church. But we, we're going to talk next week about what it means to be growing as a community together. But this week, I want to zoom in on the part of our vision, which is aspirational, which our church is, is trying to ascend to, and that is to be a community of unlikely friends. And what I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that Jesus calls people together who wouldn't call each other. I read an article this week highlighting about America becoming more polarized and that people are, are moving to this state or that state according to their political preference. The sociological sounding verb for this is called sorting. There was a book in 2008 that was published it's called The Big Sort, 
why the clustering of like-minded America is tearing us apart. So that was 15 years ago. Um, I think we can have some recency bias. This isn't a new problem, but it, it may be intensifying. Here's a map of county-by-county county election results from 2020. Am I making you nervous? What's he about to say? Now, some sociologists would say we're sorting ourselves into communities that match our political preference. And when you look at this map, it would appear that the main lines upon which we're sorting ourselves into are between urban and rural. There's a Jason Aldean song generating a lot of, let's call it, conversation this week online because of this very thing. It's a problem when, as the book, The Big Sort says, we rearrange ourselves into discrete enclaves with little to say to one another and little incentive to bother trying. This is a disturbing trend in our culture because we still have to coexist together as the giant community of Americans. Now, ironically, one thing that both Democrats and Republicans agree on is the inability of Democrats and Republicans to work together is a problem. So we agree on that. So this is a chart, a, a bit of a graphic from the Pew Research Center in an article from June of this year. And it highlights what Americans think is uh, the biggest problems facing uh, our society. Number one is inflation. Number two is the affordability of health care. And you can see the numbers there are opposite colors. But then the one thing everybody agrees on, it's in the early 60s here, the ability of Democrats and Republicans to work together or the lack of an ability is a major problem. Now, friends, I'm not a political commentator. I'm a pastor. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So thank you for sticking with me. But whether people are dividing themselves along political lines or economic lines or urban versus rural lines or whatever other line, I'm trying to keep this sermon to a manageable length so I, we can name a whole other bunch of lines people are divided upon. All of these run counter to the message, mes mission and message of Jesus who said this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now he was referring to his return, but Jesus established this pattern when he was on earth also. In Matthew chapter 10, we find Jesus sending out his disciples uh, to do his work, to do ministry in his name. This is one of the few places that we see all 12 apostles or disciples listed together. And then in the New Testament, these terms are kind of interchangeable. The 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, and sometimes simply the 12. But the word apostle, so all the 12 disciples were all apostles. But not all apostles were part of the original 12 disciples. Is that confusing enough? The word apostle means a sent one. So these are people that Jesus uh, commissioned into ministry personally to continue work in his name. These would be the people who founded the church. So this is from Matthew 10, 2 through 4. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. 
These are the people that Jesus handpicked to follow him and to take up his ministry. Jesus had a strategy. I don't believe this was haphazard. This was intentional. Now, there's several of these names we don't get to know a whole lot about. Uh, Let's see. Thaddeus, one of the James, Philip, Bartholomew, Andrew. They show up here and there in the New Testament in a few spots, but we don't have a ton of information about them. But what the scripture tells us about the other disciples gives us an insight into Jesus' intent, and I believe it gives all who would follow him a blueprint to follow. First, we read about Simon, who was called Peter. That was Jesus' nickname for him. We read about Simon and Andrew. We know that they were fishermen. They were fishermen, and so were James and John. Now, James and John in another place are described as the sons of thunder. I'm trying to get me and Pastor Kiray to be known as the sons of thunder. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to catch on or not. And they were called this for their fiery personalities. So these four apostles were people that mastered a trade. They were fishermen, and this is, this is the labor by which they made their living. So I imagine it would have been a little bit awkward when Matthew the tax collector rolls up. When he joined Jesus' inner circle, tax collectors made their living collecting Roman taxes because Rome in the first century occupied Israel. And the, the, the way tax collectors made their money was not only collecting taxes for Rome, but whatever they could get on top of that. So they taxed people like fishermen. Then add to the mix Simon the Zealot. Some translations use the word Simon the Cananean. The Greek is kananoi, meaning zealot or Jewish nationalist. This could mean someone who observed all the Jewish laws very strictly. It could also mean someone uh, who was a Jewish nationalist, meaning they dedicated their life to overthrowing the Roman Empire, the occupation in their home country. So you have fishermen and a zealot in the same close circles as a Roman tax collector. And I think we just kind of lose sight of that sometimes. These are the people Jesus chose. Last, and definitely least, we get Judas Iscariot. Now, scholars aren't sure precisely what the designation Iscariot means. Some people think it was maybe where he was from, that it designated an area. Other, people's think, uh, other people think it was a form of Sakari, And Sakari, uh, that was a secret Jewish order of assassins named after the small curved blade that was concealed by this group in case they had a chance at offing uh, a Roman officer or official when they were out and about. Now, whether or not that's true is hard to say. No one's really quite sure with certainty what Iscariot means. What we do know is that Jesus invited his eventual betrayer into his inner circle. Now, I gotta say, I do have some pity for Judas. Because when we read about him, we read Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. How would we all like to have our worst decision we've ever made on our business cards? That would just follow us around forever. So these are the people Jesus chose to call to himself. These are the people Jesus appointed to carry on his work. Laborers, tax collectors, hotheads, and political revolutionaries. This was his strategy. Friends, Jesus calls together people 
who wouldn't call each other. On paper, this makes no sense according to the political realities in the first century. And today, Jesus calls people together to go against the flow of our increasingly fractured, sordid, polarized, partisan society. Our church can be a bridge in a divided world, bridging much more than the urban-world divide or the red-blue divide or whatever other divides we could list. Our church can be a bridge greater than that, a bridge between people and God. That what defines you more than how you vote or where you live or how much money you make, what defines you is that Jesus came, lived, and died and rose for you and calls you to a different way of living in the world and a different way of viewing people in the world. Not by the lines we sort ourselves into, but in light of his loving, sacrificial sacrifice to draw all people to himself. Friends, our church can be a place where people can be in close proximity together that would otherwise never have interacted. Some of us know that this is Miss Linda. I got her permission to talk about her today. She's one of the saints of our church. Now, Miss Linda looks very sweet. Let me tell you, she's a tough lady. One constant in all the ups and downs Miss Linda has faced is her love of tea. Every day, she has a ritual around preparing and enjoying hot tea. My understanding is she has more teapots than you could count and owns more hats than really is appropriate for one person to own. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know that she got word that our daughter Betsy wanted to have a tea party for her sixth birthday? Well, let me tell you, Miss Linda hooked it up. She hooked it up. There were teapots, there were hats, there were fancy gloves, there were hors d'oeuvres, uh, there were crumpets. I didn't even know what one of them was. There was a house full of giggling and majestic, majestically dressed little girls, all thanks to Miss Linda, who was in attendance. Now you tell me, where else besides church would my six-year-old daughter Betsy and Miss Linda get to be friends? In what other environment besides church would my daughter forsake whoever's with her and run to Miss Linda whenever she sees her? I love that our church is a place where my daughter and Miss Linda can be unlikely friends. In just three weeks, our church has already been blessed by our new pastor and family. Kirei followed a call to ministry from Seoul, South Korea, to seminary in Washington, D.C., to his first pastorate in Southeast Missouri, and now to our church here in Kearney. He's here for two years on, you can think of it as like a residency. It's called a fellowship. And so the conference, the network of United Methodist Churches in Missouri, the conference is actually funding his position because they have identified Kirei as a high-capacity pastor. And he's been sent here to serve and grow in his knowledge and experience. I have just been inspired by the way him and his wife, Hei-Jung, have just dove in. Their second week here, they were here at Vacation Bible School every night. And one night after Vacation Bible School, uh, my kids and our family mentioned getting blizzards at DQ. And we could tell that they weren't sure what we were referring to. And so we had to remedy that situation immediately. <laughs> so hopefully Kirei learns a little more than this. But one thing I have tried to impart to Kirei is that I believe that the Oreo blizzard is really the foundational blizzard. <laughs> 
by which all others are measured. You can get the summer seasonal ones, but it really, it all comes back to the cookies and cream blizzard. Really, the, the OG. Oh, sna- oh we, this, that's the most controversial thing I've said today. We'll have done well. We'll have done well. Uh, we will not be entertaining an open mic for Snickers debate either. Uh, so it was just really cool to sit there and think, how did we get here? Already in three weeks, I've learned from Kire about how Methodism is not an American movement. It's a global movement. And I learned about what it means to be a pastor in his home country, in his culture. I've been inspired by his willingness to stretch himself and put faith in God despite all the unknowns. Now, where else besides the church could Kire and I become close colleagues? Think of all the untold million uncountable things that had to happen for Kire and Heijung to go from Korea to Kearney. <laughs> Unlikely friends. I love it. Now, I've told you about a six-year-old's birthday party and blizzards on Dairy Queen's patio. These are pretty sentimental things. These are not hard to discuss. Make no mistake, friends. The pursuit of unlikely friendships is messy, and it's a countercultural, even scandalous undertaking. Jesus calls all people to himself, and he handpicked people as his disciples who would have been on a collision course in any other context. Jesus calls people together who wouldn't call each other. So friends, as Carney grows, what are we going to do? Are we just going to call it good and make this community, this church just for us? That's what we're talking about at noon or at six tonight, if you want to come and have a chat. Now, one of the things that will really get me going, and I don't get a lot of this here, but I always find it kind of sadly ironic if someone ever says to me, you know, I just, Pastor, I just feel like the church, it's just getting a little big. It's just getting a little too big for me. And I try and respond politely by saying, well, that's interesting because I noticed you didn't mind when we made room for you. <laughs> See how that works? So as, as our little part of Clay County continues to grow, what are we going to do? Are, are we going to succumb to the vitriol of the, the urban and rural divide? I want to be a part of a church where our love of Jesus defines us more than any political party and where we call ourselves Christian before we call ourselves anything else. I want to be part of a church where no matter where you're from, no matter how much money you make, that we can make some unlikely friendships as we go against the pattern of this world and follow the example of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for today, for this appointment with you. Thank you for your example of calling together folks that don't make sense on paper. We remember that part of what got you crucified was making friends with all the wrong people. And so God, help us to keep our eyes 
on you, that we would be defined first by our love and loyalty and allegiance to you before all the other things that we label one another by and draw up dividing lines over. God, we know that there's no perfect church and that the only people you work with are imperfect, sinful people because that's the only type of people there are. And so continue to guide us along this vision to be restorers of the breach, to be a bridge in a culture that's fueled on outrage and wants to divide. God, help us to be a people where true community can be experienced, where all the lines that our society draws can be crossed. God, we aspire to be a community of unlikely friends following you together. God, give us the strength to continue to pursue this vision even when it's hard, even when we need to be corrected, even when we don't get it right. God, help us to to have your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.